He stands at the edge of a barren and ravaged orchard, looking up from the base of a gentle rise to where the man hangs from a wooden cross. Iron spikes have been hammered through the man's hands and feet, and his wrists and ankles have been lashed tightly in place so he will not tear free. Slash wounds crisscross his broken body, and he bleeds from a deep puncture in his side. His head droops in the shadow of his long, lank hair, and the rise and fall of his chest as he breathes is shallow and weak. Behind him, serving as a poignant backdrop to the travesty of his dying, stands the fire-blackened shell of a tiny, burned-out country church. The cross from which the man hangs has been stripped from the sanctuary, torn free from the metal brackets that secured it to the wall behind the altar, and set into the earth. Patches of polished oak glisten faintly in the gray daylight, attesting to the importance it was once accorded in the worshiping of God. Somewhere in the distance, back where the little town that once supported this church lies, screams rise up against the unmistakable sounds of butchery. John Ross stands motionless for the longest time, pondering the implications of the horrific scene before him. There is nothing he can do for the man on the cross. He is not a doctor. He does not possess medical skills. His magic can heal and sustain only himself and no other. He is a knight of the word, but he is a failure, too. He lives out his days alone in a future he could not prevent. What he looks upon is not unusual in the post-apocalyptic horror of civilization's demise, but is sadly familiar and disturbingly mundane. He can take the man down, he decides finally, even if he cannot save him. By his presence, Ross can give the man a small measure of peace and comfort. Beneath a wintry sky that belies the summer season, he strides up the rise to the man on the cross. The man does not lift his head or stir in any way that would indicate he knows Ross is present. Beneath a sheen of sweat and blood, his lean, muscular body is marked with old wounds and scars. He has endured hardships and abuse somewhere in his past, and it seems unfair that he should end his days in still more pain and desolation. Ross slows as he nears, his eyes drifting across the blackened facade of the church and the trees surrounding it. Eyes glimmer in the shadows, revealing the presence of feeders. They hover at the fringes of his vision and in the concealment of sunless corners, waiting to assuage their hunger. They do not wait for Ross. They wait for the man on the cross. They wait for him to die so they can taste his passing from life into death, the most exquisite, fulfilling, and rare of the human emotions they crave. Ross stares at them until the light dims in their lantern eyes, and they slip back into darkness to bide their time. A shattered length of wood catches the knight's attention, and his eyes shift to the foot of the cross. The remains of a polished black staff lie before him, a staff like the one he carries in his hands. A shock goes through him. He stares closely, unable to believe what he has discovered. There must be a mistake, he thinks. There must be another explanation. But there is neither. Like himself, the man on the cross is a knight of the word.
He moves quickly now, striding forward to help, to lower the cross, to remove the spikes, to free the man who hangs helplessly before him. But the man senses him now, and in a ragged, whispery voice says, Don't touch me. Ross stops instantly, the force of the other's words and the surprise of his consciousness bringing him to a halt. They have poisoned me, the other says. Ross draws a long, slow breath and exhales in weary recognition. Those who have crucified this night of the word have coated him in a poison conjured of demon magic. He is without hope.